This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about a very interesting topic. It's putting a government budget into real terms that people can understand. And with me today, I have certified financial planner, Kelsey Banky. Good morning. Good morning. And Kelsey is um, excited to talk about this today because her family has had real live impact from the recent government shutdown. And, you know, at, when this airs um, February 2nd, we're going to be in a position where we don't know if there's going to be another shutdown coming up sometime soon. So we wanted to talk about the government budget and put it into real terms that people could understand. Because when you start talking about things like trillions of dollars and billions of dollars, it becomes completely irrelevant to like normal people. <laughs> it, it really does. And, um, you know, the news media, they're, they're, they're reporting on it. But we're hearing so much stuff and there's so much noise about it that it's really hard to wrap your head around what needs to be done to, mm -hmm. to pass a budget. Like most people don't even really know how that happens and yep. that's okay. We'll tell you a little bit about that. But then also when we're talking about the different parts of the budget, what, how, how does our budget get, get pulled together to, to support Medicare and social security and the, um, Department of Defense and all of those different things. It's really, really confusing. So we're going to try to um, clear a little bit of it up. I won't say it won't be still muddy, but we're going to hope, help hopefully <laughs> um, bring some, some reality to this. And also bring it back into real terms that people understand because normal people don't think about billions of dollars. It's not a concept that we can easily wrap our mind around. So we're going to put it into terms that I think make sense for our listeners. So first of all, let's talk about the, the budget. So the budget is the B word, right? We refer to it as the B word in our office because nobody likes to budget. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the part of retirement planning or financial planning that people like the least in their own households. It, it is because budget requires discipline. Yeah. And discipline's not a lot of fun. A lack of discipline is way more fun. But, um, you know, the budget of the, the U.S. government is is a complex monster. So um, to put it into some terms that maybe make some sense, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the, the trillions and we'll go down to family style. So um, the U.S. tax revenue, so how much they're planning to bring in from different revenue sources, is $2.17 trillion. 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 So <laughs> we have hundreds that are for the first three zeros. The next three zeros are the thousands. The next three zeros are the millions. And then we've got the billions. And then after, how many is that? Twelve zeros. Then we hit trillions. Okay. Now You're the making thirteen figures. Yes. <laughs> Now, the, the federal budget, um, and, and I'm using 2017 numbers because nothing's ever been settled yet for, for 2018 and 19. So anyway, back to 2017, um, $3.82 is what the federal government has budgeted. Now think about that. Wait a minute. Stop the press. They're bringing in $2.1 trillion and they're spending $3.8 trillion. You can already see the problem. 1.65 trillion deficits. That's yes. what we, we call it. When they take on new debt, it's a deficit. So 
Um, the the national debt is fourteen trillion as of this point. It's it's nearing twenty or a little over twenty maybe at, at this point. Fourteen figure debt. Yeah, but fourteen <laughs> trillion. Okay, and then they made budget cuts in April of twenty seventeen, which was a big old fight, of course, in Congress because nobody can agree. It seems like, and their their budget cuts were thirty eight billion. So $38.5 billion. Now let's let's take this down to numbers that we can comprehend because trillions and billions, again, I get lost in all the zeros. So if you take eight zeros off of these numbers, the house the, the US budget correlated to then a household budget, taking eight zeros off these numbers. So it's an annual family income, let's say, of twenty-one thousand seven hundred. Yeah. So think about that. We're we're setting this up to say the income that you have coming in for your family for the entire year is $21,700. Not a lot, but that's the income. Now here's where a problem lies. That family is spending 38,200. Yeah. So a third more, <laughs> you know, more than what they're making. It's it's ridiculous. So where are you going to put that? How are you going to finance that? You're going to finance that by what? Putting that maybe on a credit card, right? You're going to owe that money. So if you're making 21000 and spending 38000 it means that this year you just added $16,500 to your credit card bill. Mm -hmm. That's probably a bit of an issue. That's a problem. Yeah. Now, your outstanding balance on your credit card, because this isn't the first year you overspent. Right. $142,710. <laughs> so you're making 21000 and you have credit card debt of 142000 and you just added another sixteen grand to your credit card. Now, can you see why this is a problem? Yes. Now, you guys buckled down last year, this family did, and they said, okay, we're going to cut our spending and we are going to get this under control and watch what we do. What we did is we saved $385 and didn't spend that last year. It almost sounds ridiculous, <laughs> right? So when you think about putting this into real terms and you break it down to numbers that normal people's mind can wrap around, you start to understand that the amount of money coming in isn't even close to the amount of money going out. And when they talk about doing billions and billions of dollars of budget cuts... It's a drop in the bucket. It's the difference of $385 in this scenario out of the $21,000 of income that they have. Absolutely. This is why we have budget deficits. This is why government spending is such a big topic for people. And it's so interesting that when they're fighting about these budgets that sometimes you hear news reports that are saying this dollar number is this extremely large, crazy billions of dollars a number. But when you put it into perspective, it is a drop in the bucket. So <clears throat> now we're not trying to make this a political show, but, but because this recent government shutdown, the main premise of it is they're fighting over the cost of the wall. Then let's talk about the cost of the wall compared to this actual government budget. So they want $5.7 billion for the wall. But in terms of that actual total budget, it is like $57 worth of value <laughs> in your budget, right? So if it, let, let me put it in a perspective for income. If you're someone that makes $100,000 a year, then the fight about the wall is over an equivalent of $33.80. 
So I'm going to liken this to terms that I've said a lot of times. There's a lot of people that blow $20 a week on unnecessary things that if they really wanted to, they could buckle down and, and just not spend that and easily save a lot of money. But we're talking $34 a year. One time. In a whole year. Time. So again, I, I, I'm not picking a side in this, in this fight, but when my family is not getting an income, my husband's a federal worker and he is an air traffic controller, one of the people that didn't get paid until until very work. recently but had to go to work yeah mm-hmm. and and luckily as he says he married a financial planner wife so he was okay uh-huh. you had an emergency fund <laughs> i had an emergency fund exactly and i told him i said this is exactly why we save money is so when this kind of thing happens that we have no control over and you can't see it coming this is why we save so that we can still pay our bills and we can still exist without taking on um, extreme debt or unnecessary, um, you know, things in, in our in our spending. And we reduce our anxiety a little bit. Now, don't get me wrong. I was still worried because who knows how long it's going to last. Right. And, you know, an emergency emergency fund is only so big. Um, but when when people who aren't as fortunate as us and don't have that savings and live paycheck to paycheck and don't know where they're going to get the money to pay for anything that they need. And we're arguing over the equivalent of $34 in a hundred thousand dollar a year income. It it really starts to to frustrate me. It's like, you know, everybody Mm -hmm. just needs to figure this out, which way they go, figure it out, figure it out and make it happen because there's a lot of people that suffered from this last shutdown. For sure. There's a lot of people that did suffer from it. So whether you're for the wall or against the wall is irrelevant. What we're trying in, in this conversation, what we're trying to do is help people understand the, what the dollars mean. Because there's so much inflammatory language out there that cutting it down to something that actually impacts us as humans at a level that our minds can wrap around is important to be able to do. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, where today we're tackling the super fascinating topic of understanding how the budget of the U.S. government works, which is a little bit of a diversion from a topic that we normally talk about, but we're trying to help you put it into a scope of understanding that makes sense and then draw it back to what to do instead of what not to do, which we could probably have a whole reality TV show about what not to do when it comes to the government budgeting process. (laughs) So let's talk about the three main areas that they spend money. Because interestingly enough, they're exactly the same three main areas that all of us spend money. So first of all, they have what they call mandatory spending, which in, in our worlds is like our fixed expenses, right? So in, in their world, their mandatory spending areas are things like Social Security, Medicare, veterans benefits, things like that, spending that's required by law. That's the same in your household as your fixed expenses. So your mandatory spending is your mortgage payment or your utilities bill or your phone bill or your internet bill. Things that you have a bill that you know you're going to pay once a month, every month on a fixed and regular basis. The second area that they spend money on is called discretionary spending. And that's the same as you. So discretionary spending is the area that Congress sets annually And it typically accounts for about a third of all that they're doing that they're funding. And this discretionary funding is the stuff that is like 
if you've got your bills paid, then this is what we are going to spend the rest of our money kind of thing on. So like in our world, discretionary spending is buying clothes, going to the movies, going out to dinner kind of stuff. That's an idea of what discretionary spending is. And then the third thing that the government spends money on is interest on their debt, which usually is about 10% of everything that they're doing. Okay. So the interest on their debt, if you were listening to the whole show, we talked about how they are continuing to rack up more and more and more and more debt. So the interest on this debt sometimes has to get paid. And, and that would be the same as you of if you've borrowed money and you've put it on your credit card, you've got to pay down your credit card bill and you've got to pay interest on anything that you didn't pay off in the past. So your mandatory spending, your discretionary spending, and then your interest on the debt. So those are basically the three areas of what the government budget is made of. Now what's really interesting though is when we look at that and we look at the mandatory spending, that's over half of the funding. Yeah, it's about 62% in 2015, um, it, which is a huge, huge number. Um, 32% can be attributed to discretionary spending, so the things that you get to, to decide and pick and choose and maybe don't have to be the same every year. And then about 6% is going to interest payments. Mm -hmm. So he, here's one thing that I think is interesting, too. Back in 1995, only 49% of the government budget was spent on this mandatory spending, and it's gone now from 49% up to 62%. That's a big jump in terms of mandatory spending, which is the spending by law that we have to actually do. So the, the money that's there just isn't getting stretched as far because we have so many more mandatory things that the government by law has to spend their cash on. So what that does is when your discretion or when your mandatory spending is increasing, the amount you have to spend on discretionary spending, has to go down because it, it's right. the same pie. You just have to slice it differently. And um, it makes it harder for the discretionary uh, pieces to figure out where the money's going to go there. So you'll hear in the news things about appropriations committees and things like that. And really the whole idea of the appropriation committees and the appropriation bills is a big fancy word for saying these are the people that are trying to decide how to spend the discretionary money. This is how that gets allocated. So all these different committees and subcommittees are deciding how much money can be spent of the money that's left after that mandatory spending. And it's inside of this discretionary piece that all the fighting occurs. <laughs> it really is. So um, let's go through a little bit then how we come to a budget and how we open up the government um, through appropriate budget creation. So be, uh, it begins in the executive branch. So uh, there's a, a department called the Office of Management and Budget in the executive branch that talks with all the different agencies and figures out what they are wanting, you know, what, what kind of budget are they looking for? And then they pull all of that information together and um, decide who should get how much and, and all of that. Then the president takes that and sends that over to Congress. And then Congress works with their um, appropriation committees and figures out, okay, what should they um, come back with as, you know, almost a counter offer to the president if they don't just accept his budget as it is. And the, the crazy thing to me, again, going back to why did this shutdown happen and why is it, why did it, 
make so many people's lives difficult there is the president gets that to Congress in very, very early February. And then Congress has to respond to that budget with their own concept of what it should look like by June 30th. And then the president has 10 days to respond. So we're, we're, you know, February 2nd, um, at the time this is going to air, it's literally been a year (laughs) that they've been fighting over this budget. And over a whole year, our, our government has not been able to figure this out. So, um, it's not, it's not like this came Mm -hmm. up in September and we had to figure it out by September 30th. The way the budget is supposed to work, the way the process is supposed to work, they have plenty of time to figure this out. And the thing is, is if they don't get everything passed by uh, September 30th, then October 1, the government can shut down. So this time around, they passed five of the different appropriation committees. They, they approved There's five of those. Total. Mm-hmm. Seven were not passed. So that's why it was a partial shutdown, not a full shutdown. So some of the, the government was up and running, fully functioning because their budgets were passed. Seven parts of the government under the, the different um, pieces were not passed and they were not up and running. Yeah, so I think that's kind of interesting because if you bring it back to like reality, that's like saying, okay, we've got these 12 things that we're going to try to spend money on. We've agreed over the course of a year that we're going to do these five. But seven of them, after discussions all year long, we still can't come to an agreement on it. Absolutely. So let's say you just decided you weren't going to pay your insurance bill. That's what it's, that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. So you still have to have insurance. You still, you know, need it to drive around. You still have a very, very strong need for it in your home, but you just decided you're not, you can't agree on it. So you're not going to pay it. And then once you agree upon it, then you have to catch up and figure out that whole problem that you just made for yourself. So it's very expensive to have a budget or to have a shutdown, even though we're shutting down because they can't agree on the money. It's kind of funny. Exactly. So, so the expense, the cost of the shutdown after so long, the cost of the shutdown itself in having to pay interest on those back wages and the cost of fixing the problem and things like that, after so long, the cost of the shutdown exceeds the amount of dollars they're actually fighting about. <laughs> so Very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's the thing. Like the government budget process can tell us so many things about what not to do. And what not to do, first of all and foremost, is don't spend more than you make. <laughs> like That's not rocket science. I think most people know that. Second of all is manage your debt. And so if you have debt, and certainly there are some types of debt that are absolutely okay to have, but managing your debt in a, in a way that is going to allow you to someday become debt-free is a very good idea. Now, Let's bring this all the way back to retirement planning then, because that is what we primarily spend a lot of time with people on. Just like the government, most people don't really like to figure out their budgeting problems. (laughs) And most people don't actually live on a budget. So, you know, if you talk to nine out of 10 people, they don't actually have a written budget. They kind of know how much they should spend, but they don't have a written budget. And so if you're somebody who is going to use this experience and say, gosh, maybe I better get a better handle on my money, I want to share with you that we have a great budget tool. It's called the Strategic Budget Tool. You can actually go right out to our website and request it, and we'd be happy to email it to you. And it's going to help you put into perspective, here's all the money you have coming in. Here's all your mandatory spending. 
here's what you have to then left to spend on your discretionary things and how are you going to balance your own budget so if nothing else i hope people take this as a sign of gosh this is a good wake-up call for me to make sure i'm balancing my own money since apparently the government's having some struggles with this (laughs) and if more people did this i think then we would be just i think that much more prepared Um, for our own lives within an environment where we can't control what the government's going to do with their budget process. All right, so as we've been talking about with this show, I hope this puts the government budget into real terms for you, and I hope it's helped you understand what's happening a little bit more and also how to set yourself up to thrive in the best possible way. So thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.